Welcome to Spiritual Onion. I do so appreciate you listening, and if you find the podcast meaningful, please consider recommending it to your friends. So off we go. Pastoral psychotherapy has been characterized as the weed in the sidewalk of mental health. And as a weed, there are those who want to yank it up. Religious institutions are largely suspicious of psychology. They fear that psychology will label faith as childish and without merit. And if Jesus is the answer, why would we need psychology? Following Freud, most psychoanalytic practitioners see religion as the expression of wishful illusion, representing the emotional needs of the immature adult projected onto the big daddy in the sky. Here I'd like to take a moment and delve into ancient history. Why? Well, we need to take into consideration the impact of a long-standing idea on our worldview. I am referencing a church council at Constantinople in 869. Is that ancient enough for you? I know I risk boring you, but bear with me. At this council, which at the time was part of the one holy Roman Catholic Church dominating Western religious thought, our idea of human nature devolved from spirit, soul, and body to one of only spirit and body. With regard to our religious institutions and our religious thought, soul went down the crapper. A split arose between spiritual energy and soulful energy. A divide appeared between religion and psychology. A distrust grew between two innermost aspects of our humanity. This split, this divide, and this trust remains. For instance, attention to dreams was important in the early church. If you want to know more, take a look at John Sanford's book, Dreams, God's Forgotten Language. Augustine, perhaps the most influential of the church fathers, stated that other than Scripture, dreams are the way God speaks to us. But attention to dreams in the church soon disappeared. Soul, the home of dreams, went underground until the late 19th century. One of Jung's contributions is the documentation of the underground travels and travails of soul. And it is no accident that soul resurfaced with the publication of Freud's first book in 1901, The Interpretation of Dreams. Today, pastoral psychotherapy grows in that sidewalk as the middle way attempting to hold religion or spirituality in one hand and psychology or soul in the other. Now, more than ever, we need a middle way. In our country, both religiously and politically, we are held captive by a disastrous and destructive split. On the one hand, we have a religious and political extreme right ruled by conspiracy theories Semitism, racism, anti-immigration with authoritarian tendencies. On the other hand, we have a religious and political 
extreme left dominated by wokeness, a cancel culture, anti-capitalistic rhetoric, anything-goes social and relational perspectives, also tending toward authoritarianism. The author George Saunders comments, I think, therefore, I am wrong, after which I speak, and my wrongness falls on someone also thinking wrongly. And being human, we can't bear to think without taking action which, having been taken, makes things worse. There it is. How do we find a way to heal the split in our country, the split in our politics, the split between spirit and soul, the split in our very being? I don't claim to have the answer, but I can make a start. For example, take immigration. The best of the right is right. Our nation cannot flourish by maintaining open borders. The right is not wrong that some of the worst of other nations are coming unchecked into our country. Cartels, gangs, and other criminals are freely entering the country. The best of the left is correct that, historically, we are a nation of immigrants, and in addition to most becoming positive contributors to our country, we must admit that immigrants are needed in many areas of our economy, agriculture, construction, and food service, to name a few. For example, I have an acquaintance who owns a large roofing company. Young white males have proven themselves unreliable. They do not want to work. So he hires Hispanic and Russian immigrants who are reliable and who are willing to work hard to get ahead. Once a month, I travel to Bloomington, Illinois to see long-standing clients. I stay at Eastland Suites where, to a person, all the cleaning and food prep personnel or Latino and Latina. I don't have the answer, but I will put forth the idea that well-meaning, spiritual, and soulful persons must find a way to hold the best of conservative and liberal positions in harmony. Toward that end, let me propose the word expansive rather than conservative and liberal to denote persons of goodwill who desire to find a middle way. One example of this expansive personality is Pastor Leopold Bernhard. Leopold was born and raised in Germany, where he also was educated as a Lutheran pastor. During World War II, he worked with the underground to move Jews out of the country until one night he was informed that the Gestapo was coming for him. So that same underground got Leopold out of the country. Eventually, he came to my home congregation in Columbus, Ohio, where he led us in becoming the first integrated Lutheran congregation in the country. His final stage of ministry was at the Lutheran Church of the Reformation in Washington, D.C., which sits across from the Library of Congress. There he served as director of the congregation's public affairs sector ministry. 
The heart of Leopold's ministry was hosting and moderating discussions between two leaders on opposite sides of important issues. It's hard to imagine such events taking place today without deteriorating into bouts of name-calling and vitriolic exchanges. But Leopold invited leaders on opposite sides of issues, such as military spending, social programs, and corporate responsibility, who then participated in lively and intelligent debate on these issues. He shows us the middle way. So in order to help us find and remain in this middle way, I want to return to the Hebrew meaning of the word heart in conjunction with the meaning of heart as defined by psychoanalyst James Hillman. For the Hebrew mind, the heart is the center of the inner being. As such, the heart, not the brain, is the home of the intellect, emotion, and will. The Swiss physician Paracelsus echoes this perspective when he writes, Speech is not of the tongue, but of the heart. The tongue is merely the instrument with which one speaks. He who is dumb is dumb in his heart, not in his tongue. As you speak, so is your heart. Hillman suggests that, first, my heart is my humanity, my courage to live, my strength, and fierce passion. By means of it, nothing is foreign to me. All can be admitted to its kingdom of dignity. My most noble virtues emanate from the heart, loyalty, heroic boldness, compassion. Second, Hillman points out that my heart is my love, my feelings, and my sense of person. It is the place of intimate interiority, where sin and shame and desire and the unfathomable divine, too, inhabit. What if we imagine our heart holding spirit and soul in harmonious tension? But what do I mean by spirit and soul? Peaks belong to the spirit. Mount Sinai, Mount Olympus, the Mount of Olives, spirit lifts us up. It is the image of worshipers raising their hands heavenward. It is Maslow's peak experiences that he names as self-validating and self-justifying. Spirit denotes what is light and high in our being. Spirit is the monk meditating alone on the mountain. Spirit has to do with transcending, rising above, overcoming. Ecstasy and enthusiasm are spirit. Spirit is psychologically masculine. The valleys or veils belong to the soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. One could take a passage from Keats as a psychological maxim. Call the world, if you please, the veil of soul-making. Then you will find out the use of the world. So, therapy is soulful. We work things through in therapy, or as Freud meant, we suffer through them. We don't transcend them. Soul brings us down into the depths. 
Dreams arise from the soul. Soul imagines. Soul denotes what is dark and low in our being. The cave is the place of the soul. Soulfulness involves weeping, sorrow, suffering, and death. Soul is feminine. Without soul, spiritual scriptures and sermons lose their depth. Spiritual maxims displayed on neon signs and bumper stickers. According to Richard Rohr, stage one of spiritual development can be summarized as my self-image and my body is who I am. What a wonderful way to sum up the dominant energy of our culture. How do I look to others? What labels are on my clothes? How many social media followers do I have? And how happy and successful can I look? How much weight do I need to lose? If we are people of the middle way, we find ourselves at odds with the dominant culture. In fact, we likely find ourselves at odds with the untethered spirit of many of our churches. The difficulty in being and remaining people of the middle way is in keeping our hearts open. Childhood hurts, teen troubles, adult disappointments, personal losses, trauma, dashed dreams, broken relationships, all will tend to close our hearts. And it is not just our personal experiences. We live in an anxious time. I figure if you're not anxious over what's going around us nationally and globally, I worry about you. Each generation carries its own wounds. At a global level, we are bombarded by daily disheartening news. Many of us wonder if there is a viable future for humanity. Over time, if we cannot keep our hearts open, we become bitter, disillusioned, angry, hopeless, and burdened. There is another way, the middle way. Once again, George Saunders helps us. He writes, In a world full of people who seem to know everything passionately, based on little, often slanted information, where certainty is often mistaken for power, what a relief it is to be in the company of those confident enough to stay unsure, that is, perpetually curious. People of the middle way work to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like a Buddhist monk, our answer often is, don't know. People of the middle way remember that behind and below others' anger and rage, we will find hurt, pain, and despair. Can we be big enough people to listen without becoming defensive or argumentative? When we do not give others the gift of truly hearing them, they must become louder and angrier in the attempt to be heard. One of the wonderful tools that support many people of the middle way is psychotherapy. I am not talking about symptom relief or therapy that rehashes what happened last week. I am talking about in-depth psychotherapy that goes to the root of our suffering in order to find meaning in it, 
that by working through painful issues, we release new energy for living. Therapy that helps us rewrite our discombobulated narratives that touch our souls and guides us to our center. We want a therapist who can be with us in the abyss. Worthwhile psychotherapy does not return us to the world as normal people, whatever that means. Worthwhile psychotherapy uncovers that particular and peculiar person hidden at our depths and brings it to light. Something that can aid us in remaining in the middle way is by beginning each day with the welcoming prayer. It goes like this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it is for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for affection, esteem, approval, and pleasure. I let go of my desire for survival and security. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. I open to the love and presence of God and God's action within me. Amen. The welcoming prayer developed out of a need to counter our resistance to the daily bumps and unwanted experience. In other words, to keep us from closing down in the face of undesired experiences and from our seemingly never-ending desire for more, more power and control, more affection and approval, more survival and security. Why? Because searching for more only facilitates negative patterns that cause us more pain. Getting more will not provide healing. I use the welcome prayer throughout the day when I find my heart starting to close down. Just saying the word welcome recenters me. If you're interested, you can find out more about the welcoming prayer at the website Contemplative Outreach. So perhaps we can join together as a community of the open-hearted, join together as the gathering of the uncertain and curious, join together as the people of the middle way. Thank you for listening. I'll return in two weeks. Future podcasts focus on guilt, shame, and trauma, forgiveness and acceptance, love and loss, healthy and unhealthy narcissism, and perhaps how to find a good therapist and what to do in therapy. Until then, join me in traveling the middle way. Like a bird on the wire, like a drum in a midnight choir, I have tried. Like a knife from some old-fashioned book 
Thank you. 